0: welcome to an impact ministries production brought to you by impact ministries world changers changing the way the world sees god learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com now here's your host founder of impact ministries and developer of heart physics the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world dr jim richards Hey, I'm Jim Richards, Impact Cyber Church. Man, I am so glad to be with you. And today we're going to dive into some things that I'm telling you are going to give you keys into how to think in a way that you never get off track. You see, the Bible talks to us about renewing the mind. And you've heard me say this before. We think that renewing the mind is simply getting more information or getting Correct information. Well, that's a part of it, obviously. But renewing the mind starts with how to think. And the word of God teaches us how to think. So you know what? If you if you've had trouble kind of keeping your doctrine straight, if you've had trouble working through or knowing how to work through difficult problems, or if, if many times when you're faced with, with, with overwhelming situations and you need to act quickly to get results, and you're just unsure of where to start, then this message is going to help you because we're, we're, we're going to show you how to always start at the beginning, which means you'll always end up at the right place. But listen, before I jump into that, I just want to remind you, July is when we have World Changer Weekend every single year, the third uh, weekend in July. So this year, July the 20th, 21st, 22nd, we are going to have uh, some of the most enjoyable praise and worship you could participate in. We're going to have great musicians who love God and and who play incredibly well are going to be here. We're going to have a a, a house full of people that are, are truly committed to walking this walk out with God, deeply in love with God, enjoy worshiping, enjoy fellowship. And I'm going to be sharing something with you. That I'm telling you is, and you'll have to go to my website and get more information because it's just, it would take up the whole, it would take up this whole program today uh, just to tell you about it. But the topic for this year is called Being the Wisdom of God. So if you're interested in attending uh, World Changer Weekend, there is no registration fee. But because of a limited space, we have to get you to register because at some point we have to cut off registration because we, on, we can only take a certain number of people here. So if you're interested, be sure and go to uh, impactministries.com. Check out World Changer Weekend and, we'll, and, and I'll give you some more information about being the wisdom of God. All right. You know, the Hebrew alphabet reveals so many insightful things about God and uh, we, we could just go into it actually at some point in time I may I may do this. We could do almost a whole series on what is what is hidden in the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Because uh, uh, you know you'll, you'll 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 talk to some of these scholarly people and they get understanding about a, what a word means and you go where did they get that? I can't find that in a in a I can't find that in, in any of my lexicons or in any of my study tools. Well, the reason is because there are things that were put into the Hebrew alphabet, and I believe it was done, uh, 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 it was a God thing, I believe it was inspired by God, that would show people things that you could not get just by getting just the little literal definition of a word. As a matter of fact, really, when you talk about Semitic languages like Hebrew, there is no such thing as just one single definition. You know, I've said this before, and, and I didn't really realize how, how true it was. I knew this intuitively, and I knew this from what little I'd studied the Hebrew language. But, but whenever I began to invest myself in studying Hebrew in a very serious way, where I studied every single day, then I, I discovered that the Hebrew language is, in fact, a relational language, and it, it, we try to interpret the Hebrew language or translate the Hebrew language the way Westerners think, which is more factual than it is relational, it's more intellectual than it is uh, conceptual. And so, that uh, everything of the Hebrew language is designed to reveal to us uh, deep aspects of how to have a meaningful relationship with God now. In the Hebrew alphabet, there's a letter we call the Yud. Now the Yud is a really interesting little letter. It just looks like a little apostrophe. It's just kind of dangling in the air. And the fact that the Yud is dangling in the air uh, indicates that it, it represents a message from heaven or a message from God. Now the Yud is the first letter and one of the names of God. And so it's a very important letter and the yud reveals all sorts of things. Or anytime you see that letter, you know it's talking, it's gonna be talking about something uh, that has to do with a message from God, a message from heaven. Well, one of the things that the yud also represents is this, the the yud is is such a small thing. It's almost like a dot, like, like a small apostrophe or a small dot. And one of the concepts from the Ud that we get is that all things uh, start from one point. You know, uh, we've come to understand, even though the scientists may get some parts of it wrong, the Big Bang Theory is a credible theory. I'm not saying all the parts of it, but it actually is a credible theory for creation. Because, you know, God was outside of, outside of the created world. He was in the realm of eternity. And, <clears throat> and his first creation, and the language indicates this, was to make something out of nothing. And so he created, I call it, he created the field. And within the field, there were, there were opposite polarities and and within those polarities existed everything that would be needed to create everything else. So after the first day of creation, the Hebrew word where it says that God made is where he makes something out of what he's already created. Whereas in the beginning, he created something out of, out of nothing. But the Big Bang Theory, you know, presents the idea that, the, that all of the universe began from something we would call a speck. It's like a tiny little spot and exploded outward. Well, you know, the real truth is the language uh, of the Old Testament kind of describes that. That's, that's pretty much how it describes creation as suddenly just bursting into being. And we don't want to go too far in that again because that's more than we can get into today. But the whole idea is that, that, that everything starts from one single point. Now, why is this important? And what has this got to do with renewing your mind? Because you see, in the Bible, there's this concept of the law of first reference. And the law of first reference says you go back to the first point that something is mentioned. And that first point becomes the the defining point, if you will, to help you understand everything else about that subject. Well, we have a first point about who God is, that if we stay to that foundation, to that point, we will never become confused. We will never get to where we don't know what to expect. You know, if you know who God is, you don't have to wonder if it's God's will for somebody to get healed. If you know who God is, you don't have to wonder if it's God's will to deliver you from that financial catastrophe that you've gotten yourself into. Even though though you deserve to be there because you made the wrong decisions, that's not the point. The point is, is if you know who God is, you can always trust and count on what God will do. You know, when God Gave his names and you know, uh, one of my books that will be coming out just very shortly. It's called it's called Heaven on Earth and it's about establishing the kingdom of God in your life. And that's the only place you can establish the kingdom of God. You can't establish it in our nation. You can't establish it in your city. You can't establish it in anybody else. You can only establish it in your life. And so in order to establish the kingdom of God, part of what you have to know and trust are the names of God. Now, we have what people call the covenant names of God. Uh, You know, there's Jehovah Sidkenu, you know, Jehovah, our righteousness. There's Jehovah Mekadish, which is Jehovah who sanctifies. There is Jehovah Shalom, you know, Jehovah, our peace. There is Jehovah Jireh, God sees and provides. There's Jehovah Rophi, uh uh Jehovah, our healer. There is Jehovah, Rohi, the Lord, our shepherd. There is, uh, uh, you know, there's the Lord, our banner. In other words, so you have these, what they call covenant names. Now, I'm assuming people call them covenant names because uh, when God gives his name and says, this is who I am, it is really the equivalent of him making an, a, a covenant with mankind because he's saying, this is who I am. And this is who I'm always going to be. Now, the interesting thing about that, the only, I I use the terminology covenant names of God because people understand that. But there is a, a, a little bit of confusion in using that name because you see, when you think about a covenant, a covenant is a contract. When you think about a covenant, you think about two people making an agreement and in order for that agreement to stay in place, both people have to stick to their side or to their part of it. Well, I want you to understand something. Uh, God doesn't change when we change. As a matter of fact, you know, the Apostle Paul tells us, you know, even when we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. So God's covenant names uh, uh, do not imply that if we do certain things, that's who God will be to us. God's saying, this is who I am. This is exactly who I am. and This is who I will always be. And if you can't see me, see, if you can't see God as your healer, it's not necessarily because you've got sin in your life. It's not because God doesn't want to heal you. It's not, you know, there's no big mystery to it. It just means that probably in your heart, you're so overwhelmed with your circumstance and your pain that you can't see past the circumstance. But God has not changed. Now, <clears throat> in Hebrews I'm just going to use this as an example. In Hebrews chapter six, and, I, and I, I share this in our school of ministry with people who are, feel called to the ministry, and I really I share this with everybody. But he said, he's he's talking about getting to the place where we can move on from the fundamentals, from the foundational truths. And he does it, I think he talks about this in Hebrews chapter five. And he said, but the problem is, he said, I can't even get you to the place where we can really discuss righteousness, he said, because uh, you're like babes who still need milk. You're not ready for the meat of the word. Now, I want to tell you something. The concept of righteousness is so beyond anything I've ever heard taught in my whole life. It is so beyond just a position we have with God. It is so beyond just being Uh, 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 you know, morally uh, uh, sound and and those sort of things. I mean, those are all parts of it. But I'm telling you, it is so beyond that. And Paul is saying, like, I want to get you where you can comprehend righteousness. He said, but the problem is you're not stable in the foundation. So in Hebrews 6.1, he says this. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on Now, remember, when you see the word perfection in the New Testament, it is not talking about flawlessness. It is nearly always talking about reaching the ultimate intention or the ultimate goal. And so, you know, remember, sin, which we totally misdefine, you know, we usually think of sin as what we do wrong and, 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 uh, uh, you know, where we fall short. Well, sin is when we fall short of the goal. Sin is like if God wants me perfectly well all the time, and I'm not able to walk in that, t- then in a certain sense, that's sin. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's because of sin. I'm saying that in itself is sin. That's, that's less than God's perfect goal for you. If you're broken, struggling financially, then then it's a righteousness problem. I'm not saying you need to get more righteous so you'll earn something from God. I'm saying righteousness is when you are as you should be in Christ. Which, So, so I don't want to fall short of the goal of being, blessed and prospered and protected and made whole and have a sound mind and all of those things. See, all of these righteousness is a state of being where everything in our life is as it should be. And by the way, that's exactly what kingdom living is, is all about. But, he, but then he goes on to say this, <clears throat> not laying again the foundation, and then he goes into this whole thing, uh, the foundation, repentance from dead works, faith toward God, the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, now what's really interesting about this is these doctrines, he says, are foundational doctrines for the new covenant believer. And, uh, and, and again, we don't have time to go in those today. I need to reteach those. It's been years since I've taught that. We probably, I need to reteach that whole series if you want to know the truth. But in that phrase where he says, not laying again these, these foundations, That phrase, not laying again, has a dual meaning in the original language. It can mean to not lay again, in other words, to not keep repeatedly reteaching or relaying this foundation. Now, because we don't renew our minds and learn to think like God wants us to think, we tend to be... And particularly our Westerners, we tend to be linear thinkers, and linear thinkers are cause and effect. Everything happens in a straight line, and so the pro- well, the problems with linear thinkers is linear thinking is more about what's, what's in front of you right at this moment, and it is detached from the whole. So <clears throat> it's, it's sort of like, it's sort of like if you if you're standing. It's out a railroad track, and it's a straight track, and it's running that way. You know, to you, and you're looking straight ahead, to you, the, uh, you see a boxcar, and then a boxcar, and then a boxcar, and a boxcar. And, and so you're just seeing one boxcar after another. You're not seeing the train. But now, if, if, if that train track were like, like circular or semicircular, and you were standing back here, you would not only see the boxcar that's in front of you, you'd see the whole train because it's in a circular pattern. So you would never detach the boxcar and how you understand the boxcar from the entire train. Now, I don't know if that's a good example. Uh, I can visualize that in my mind. You may not be able to, but, but <clears throat> we have this tendency through really uh, uh, natural thinking. You know, there's nothing wrong with natural thinking in and of itself. But there's something very wrong with natural thinking, which the Bible calls carnal, which is carnal thinking, if we are not surrendering that to God. As a matter of fact, I'm going to talk to you about, about the tree of knowledge and good and evil and and natural thinking and how that comes to play in our, in our lives. We're not going to talk about it today, but hopefully we'll get to talk about it sometime this month. Now, the problem is is when, is when you lose sight of the whole picture and you're just focused on what's in front of you, then you forget the foundation. You forget the you. You forget the starting point. And if you don't, like in this case, if you come up with something that's different or, or that that you lose the concept of these foundational doctrines, then you're going to eventually end up off the rails. So, so Not laying again, he's saying we can't keep reteaching this stuff. But that phrase also has another meaning. It means not to cast down or not to cast away. So he's saying, saying we've got a paradox here. We need for you to move on to understanding righteousness, really understanding what you have in God not just not just doctrinally knowing what's provided, not just being able to put the right answers on the test. You know, I used to tell our school of ministry students at all the time. It's like, you know what? Just because you come in here and put the right answers on the test doesn't mean you know any of this stuff. And it doesn't mean you know how to live. The question is, can you take this stuff out in the real world and put it into practice when you're facing life's challenges? God sent Jesus so we could have the very best. Now I don't know about you, but there's been a lot of times I looked around at my life and I wasn't having the very best. And I always in those situations realized that the problem was mine. I needed to repent. I needed to deal with my unbelief. I needed to deal with my fear. I needed to deal with my limited thinking. I needed to deal with the fact that I had gotten off of the foundation, I'd lost the yute. I, I I misplaced the starting point, and I was looking at the Word of God in some way that caused it to be skewed. So Paul's like, "Man, I got to. I, I, I want to get you where we want to go. I want to get you to the best you can have, but but I can't do it if I got to keep reteaching this basic stuff. And and I can't do it if every time I teach you something new, you're going to lose the foundation, man. Now something." About Westerners, we have an insatiable hunger for knowledge, but seemingly no desire for wisdom. You know, I'm watching this across America. There's a, there's a fad across America and around the world where <clears throat> people who are planting churches. I'm not saying they're totally wrong. And if this is you and your church. I'm not criticizing your church. I'm just saying you need to kind of step back and and compare what you're doing to what the Bible teaches. And so there's, there's, this, there's this new logic that says, man, if you want to have a happening church, you don't need to have anybody over 30 on your platform if you want to reach your generation. Well, you know, I'm not saying that's bad, but I'm going to tell you something, folks. That's kind of contrary to the whole idea of honoring the elder, honoring the wise, honoring those who have life experience. See, we are, we are a a culture of people that love n- knowledge and have no interest in wisdom and we will make somebody a leader we will put somebody into a position we will follow somebody with our life if they impress us with their knowledge even when that knowledge can't produce the results that we need in our life because uh, because we're just we we have succumbed to Uh, uh, the culture of the day. We have become one dimensional thinkers. Now, I want you to understand something. God is logical. And one of the reasons I know God is logical is because one of the words used to describe Jesus is the logos. Now, the logos is a Greek word that is, uh, I'm telling you, it, it it would just take Hours and hours and hours and hours to discuss all of the possibilities of how the word logos could be understood and and what it represents. Um, But among other things, the word logos also represents a logic or a wisdom. Now, a logic or or wisdom or wisdom based on logic, it shows you the way something goes, the path that something follows. and, and so, uh, uh, when something is logical, it means just going to follow a path that makes sense. And so, <clears throat> and so, God has a logic, and in Jesus, we get to see the logic of God. And when we hear a message preached, no matter how good it sounds, no matter how great, no matter how how you know how whoop 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 it is, you know, uh, if it if it departs from what Jesus taught us. If it departs from what Jesus showed us. If it departs from what Jesus accomplished His death, burial, and resurrection, then it has departed from the logic of God. It has lost the youth Now, so we want to come to the place to where where. Everything that we consider, and in every situation, we have some point to go back to, to say, this is the starting point. This is where I can understand what to do and what to believe in this situation. This is going to be the basis, the launching pad for my faith. Now, the children of Israel, they had been captive, uh, or they, they had become slaves in the land of Egypt. And what's really interesting is they had pretty much forgotten the names of God. As a matter of fact, about all they knew about God and who God was, was that he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of their fathers. Well, you know something, you know, I used to tell my kids this, you know, when they were growing up, is like, look, God doesn't have any grandchildren. He's only got children. And you're, you, you've you grown up in a Christian household. You've grown up in a place where where godly morals and values are present. And that's, that's just our culture. And, and you live in a danger of, of living by our culture and not living by our conviction. And you live, in a, you live in the danger of knowing about the God of your father, but not necessarily knowing him as your God. And that's exactly what the children of Israel did. Now, <clears throat> as, I, I can't go into it because of time, but you know, Moses you know, he he, he leaves um, Egypt, goes out and becomes a shepherd out, a Midian shepherd. And while he's there, he comes up on a burning bush. And by the way, fire always represents passion. God had a passion to deliver the children of Israel. Uh, and, you know, you might say, well, why didn't he do it sooner? Well, trust me, that's never God's issue. as that's, that's the hearts of the people, whether or not they're ready. Because the truth is they wouldn't have left Egypt to go out into another country if they had not become slaves and become so oppressed that, that they that they finally want to leave. It's just like the church, you know, waiting for Jesus to turn. The church don't want Jesus to come back right now. It's not bad enough yet. Now, God doesn't want us to go through all that. God would like for us to really... Uh, uh, desire, if you will, and invite him to come right now and establish his kingdom. But you know what? Most believers don't want that. Most believers are not going to want Jesus to come and set up God's kingdom until it gets so bad that they're not enjoying life here. Then suddenly it's like, oh, wait a minute. Let's, let's pray this thing down, you know. So anyhow, so Moses comes up on this burning bush and, and, uh, and, and Exodus 3.13 says, Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, well, what's his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, for the sake of time, I got to just rush right through this In, in Hebrew. And it's really interesting in the rational Bible by, I believe his name is Jerry Prager. I know his last name is Prager. He kind of translates that, and I've seen this in other books, as I am who I am, I am what I am, I am what I will be, and I am who I will be. In other words, who I am is who I'm always going to be. What I do is what I'm always going to do. And what I do is always going to be consistent with who I am. There's no separating who I am, and what I do. There is no separating what my name is. See, but the children of Israel had lost sight of God's names. They had forgotten the names of God. They did not know he was the shepherd that wanted to lead them. They did not know he was Jehovah Rophi who wanted to heal them. They did not know he was Jehovah Shalom that wanted to deliver them from oppression. They only knew him as the God of their fathers. Now listen, that's where so much of the church is. That's why Impact Ministries is here to make disciples. That's why we put these programs out every single week and connect with you. That's why we put. Uh, that's why we have all kinds of material online for you, free of charge, on our website, ImpactMinistries.com, and all of these programs. But I'll tell you something. I am wanting to invite you if you are wanting. to to take new steps in becoming a disciple, if you're wanting to connect to the name of God in a way that it's real, it's in your heart, it's the way you think and the way you breathe and you'll never depart from it and you always know what you can trust because you know his name, then I want to help you. I want to take you through Essential Heart Physics. Listen, I want you to go to moveyourboundaries.com and there at Impact Unlimited, I want you to check out the opportunity to go through essential heart physics and, and I've made this thing in a way that everybody can afford it and everybody can do it. We're gonna pick up on this message again next week. We, we haven't stopped here, but I just want you to know we are going to uh, coach people through connecting to who God is in their heart, maybe for the first time in their life, so that no matter what they face, That God, who He is, will manifest in their heart and then manifest in their life. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.